go. The best way <laughs> to start a podcast is for two married guys to talk about divorce. <laughs> right? Yeah, we were. This is what was just happening for all the <laughs> listeners prior to pressing record. Brad and I were discussing the amount of weddings we've been to. Brad, of course, jet-setting all around the world for his famous friends. And uh, I asked the question, I posed the question, how many of these couples are still married? Right. And it's uh, it's alarmingly small. It, Yeah, I'm, I mean, I think the ones that... I'm not surprised, right? Like there was, I don't think there was any surprises for me. And oh, like it, you knew at the wedding? No, not at the wedding, but oh, just like, okay. I just, I, it wasn't a surprise. It was, you know, there were <laughs> weddings that probably were not ideal or maybe just people who, you know, tended to uh, <laughs> get distracted. <laughs> Was there? Oh, get distracted! I know what that means. I don't means. mean. I don't mean cheat. I just mean like, <laughs> you know, they had they had shown in the past prior to making it legal that maybe, you know, settling down was not totally for them. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons, <laughs> right? Have you ever been the one where you're like, oh man, look at this couple. They're they're so in love. This is serendipitous that they've met each other. I'm so happy I'm here. And then like nine months later. <laughs> no. They're like, oh no, they're done. No, one of them, the one who I was talking about with the bachelor party, which we won't name, but he, that one didn't last very long. That was, uh, that didn't last long, unfortunately. I recently just heard of something that kind of blew my mind. You know, I'm a child of divorce. Mm. Wait, are you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you too. You know, as children of divorce and like, you know, there's seemingly only a couple different ways to operate it. You know, like, you know, one person lives in the house, one lives somewhere else, like dual custody, whatever. And, or, you know, however you have it arranged. But I just heard about a situation recently where a divorced couple has the house, the kids stay in the house permanently, and they each have different places and only live in the house half the week. They show up? Yeah. So it's like the kid's house almost, <laughs> and they get like a different parent for like half the week. <laughs> Which like for the sake of the kid, yeah, you can afford smart. it. But yeah, then I'm like, wait, what's the caveat to this? Oh it's so God. smart. Why doesn't everyone do that? I'm like, oh, that means you have to pay for three places <laughs> rather than two. Right. You got to be, uh, you got to have the money. So I guess that's the rich but option. No, but you know, I have to say, a, a very, cl very, very close friend of mine, I would dare say one of my best friends, he got divorced. He had two kids who were still, you know, young at the time. And he moved into a house across the street. Oh, well, creepy. Yeah. Like, I mean, a few houses down. Right. But, and they, and they had some, and they had enough room for the kids. So the kids basically had bedrooms at both houses. And, I mean, that's um, good for the kids, I guess. But then it's like, you know, six months passes. Someone decides to start dating. Well, that's the thing. He moved into the house with his new um, girl. Lover. Yes. Who became his wife. Very Maybe. You know what? As, as I noted <laughs> in the beginning of this, is it maybe two you know married guys on the podcast shouldn't be talking about divorce as much. <laughs> Probably let's, not. Let's not put it out in the world too much. It's, it's not like... It's not like you and I are 
totally put together puzzles here, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's either a sign of security that we both yeah. have very secure relationships or that we're fucking completely delusional. We go, oh my God, she's seen through all the gaps. Now I have to come up with a plan. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, Maybe. God. All right. Well, let's change, let's change the, the course of this with... Are we becoming a ska program? <laughs> wow, two in a row. And and Mike Park only about a month oh, ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. We had Mike Park, <laughs> yeah. you know, literally owner of Asian Man Records. We had Joe Gittleman of the Mighty Mighty Boston's, you right. know, huge influence in ska. Oh, we have the yeah. Mighty Catbite mm-hmm. on this episode. Friend of the program, Jeff Rosenstock is Oh, you yeah. know, arguably the the king of ska at this <laughs> point. You know, I mean, he's at least around these parts. Listen, if anyone's, you know, uh, unabashedly, you know, helping with some of the revival, it's that guy. So <laughs> here's what I ask: is like, I never, I didn't, I've never would have said like, oh yeah, I'm a ska fan. Maybe I'm a ska fan. <laughs> I think I am, and. And I think we talked about it in this interview. Maybe one of the things that's uh, warming me up to it is, you know, I, I was doing research for this interview and some of the other ones, and I really do notice this kind of like a little extra sense of community among the ska people. You know, it's like they're like the subgenre of a subgenre, and they kind of, you know, you, you know. Uh, except of what they mentioned with the, you know, delineation between traditional ska and what's, you know, third wave, second wave, you know, uh, ska or whatever that is. It seems like when you come into this world, there's sort of uh, open arms, you know, and a unjudgmental attitude. And there there should be, because I mean, they need to, you know, you need, they need to band together. Let's face it. Like ska has taken some hits and, you know, it's kind of ridiculous because the truth is like, yeah, it's, I like ska, but I don't think you, you know, you said you were a ska fan, but you don't have to call yourself a ska fan. It's like, that's, that's because it's so controversial that you either have to be a ska fan or oh. not a, or a ska hater. Like, oh, you know what right. I mean? You can't like, just that's be how like it's a... been. Yeah. Traditionally, that's how it's yeah. been is everybody's felt like they had to, had to take a side, but dude, it's just like, you wouldn't say that about like rock and roll. Or pop. It's a good point. (laughs) It is a good point. It's kind of like a line in the sand sort of thing. Yeah, it has been. And I think what this interview talks about is that it's finally being accepted as music and just another form of music. And you don't have to be a hater or a lover to enjoy ska. So normalize ska. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this was a fun interview. I, you know, I can't say I've been on to Catbite for like many years. I, I think I even missed, you know, uh, when they were on the first record. But, you know, when the lead up to this one's been coming and I've kind of been checking them out and every song, each step of the way is great. You know, yeah. I thought I was just going to hear this kind of fun, you know, fun, loving ska stuff. That's sort of what it was presented as. But once you dig into the tunes, there's a lot of meat to it. There's a lot of depth yeah. in the music. Uh, Brit has a really interesting voice and could do a lot of different things with it. I mean, as she explained in the interview with her 
training and background, you know, makes sense. It's kind of like the, uh, you know, like the drummer from Weezer thing. <laughs> it's like, you know, that guy can do a lot more than that. <laughs> right. You know, but you put him in this genre, it just shines so brightly, you know, and I feel like Brit's on to some cool stuff. And now I'm really excited. I, I think found a great new band for me from Philly to go have a great time to, and we're playing shows together. And I'm really excited about the band Catbite. So why don't we uh, listen to the interview with Tim and Britt? Can I can I tell you something I was thinking about right before we got in this interview? Yes. Sure. I was thinking sometimes I think about all the qualifications you need for like public office or the things that like people require, you know, they want you to like go to college or have military service or some background in civil service or something. And I'm always wondering when I see a president, I'm like, do you know how to make a like a box of craft mac and cheese, you know, like yeah. have you lived like one of us. And I was just doing the laundry at the house and thinking about, you know, all my days at the laundromat mm-hmm. and how there should be new requirements for the presidency. And some of them should be, you need to be able to handle yourself at a laundromat. Right. You need to be able to make a box of powdered mac and cheese and make it good. Yeah, it can be you know, like not like yeah. runny or like under- super powdery. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, the worst one. A lot of mistakes to be made there. Mm-hmm. So I want to see someone who's obviously done it a couple dozen times. And then what's what's some more criteria? Oh, you had to have to ride a public bus to work at least once. Oh. At least once or subway. Yeah, bus preferred. Yeah, yeah. Definitely right. bus preferred though. Yeah. Am I missing anything? What would be more good criteria in that? Maybe in that? like maybe like um make a bag of popcorn. Yeah, oh, that's micro- a huge one. The microwave. Yeah, microwave popcorn. Without <laughs> setting off the fire alarm. Yeah, yeah. Without, like don't burn it. And there has to be less make than sure like the right thir- way up. Like, there has to be less than thirty kernels left in the bag. So yeah. you, like you Which can't is hard. It. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You have to split the difference and like <laughs> between on fire and 30 kernels left and well, if you can meet what's that what's your method do you go in in the middle and kind of puff the bag up a little bit uh yeah i mean i'm just standing right next to it the whole time like with my ear pressed against the <laughs> microwave like kind of getting probably a little bit of cancer but it's worth it in long run <laughs> and like doing the exact like stopwatch like making sure it's like at least four seconds or five seconds in between pops I don't think it's, the young generation knows they're getting cancer from microwaves anymore. That's fine. My I mom like, used to not even like sit in a room with one if it was on. <laughs> now I, I don't even think people know anymore. Yeah. Well, everything can give you cancer at this yeah. point. So it's fine. That's, that's true. Just walking outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you, so you into my new criteria here? What do you think? I'm a hundred percent supportive of that. Yeah, like, yeah. I honestly like. I think I would trust the president more if they could pass all of these things. Yeah. Yeah. Am I being a reverse elitist in the way that like, you know, if someone grew up rich or suburban or even rural, they uh, would have never had to take public transit. Actually, they didn't even have public transit. Right. So maybe I got to take but, that one out. That's like a bonus. Or maybe yeah. like <laughs> they should be able to like figure it out. If they can't do that, if they've never ridden public transit, 
they have to know how to change their own oil. There we go. Yeah. Or at least, a, at least a tire. Yeah, a tire. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. That's the caveat. Oh yeah, that's a good. Good. <laughs> can you change? Uh, you can probably change a tire, Brad. Even though you don't own a car anymore. Oh yeah. I mean, back. back in the day when I had cars, I did everything, dude. I changed. I changed the starter motor in our band van one time, like Damn. in the dark on Houston Street. In the dark, I did it in the dark in the wow. inside the van because it was a Dodge van that you could pull the cover off from the inside and get at it from the inside. Oh uh, yeah. Wow. We uh, one one quick van story in that regard. I have to give my friend Dave Parker some credit. No one knows his name's Dave. He is only Parker. He's a bass player in my old band. So we were driving to a show in upstate New York, I think like Rochester. <laughs> uh, my singer was driving. And the, a tire just blew out, not a flat, just a straight blowout. Yeah. And it bottomed to the road so hard that the, the gas tank had become disconnected from the muffler huh. system. Uh, the muffler was like wrapped around the axle a couple times, like the Jesus. end of the muffler. Like this is like really serious undercarriage stuff going on. We were traveling with some friends called Scream Hello. They brought us the rest of the way. We left the van in a garage, but we had no idea, not even a garage, a parking lot, because <laughs> it still very, very, very uh, creepily drove to a parking lot. We changed the tire, but then, you know, the whole undercarriage is messed up. We're like, let's go play the show. <laughs> we show up, set up, and it's a house show in like a living room somewhere. You know, after all this, we show up, put the gear, about to start, like, the first song, like, 30 seconds, and the landlord walks in. He's like, what the fuck is going on here? Show's over. Fuck. So, so loaded out back in our friend's van. We were just using their stuff. They drive us back, and here's where Parker came in. He just went to, like, a pilot and bought some weird brackets, some weird glues, (laughs) <laughs> and then just put himself under there for about 25 minutes and rig this bizarre set of contraptions that was going to make the van at least maybe get us home. What? <laughs> so he, he unraveled it, like unraveled the muffler from the frame, like used, you know, things you're not supposed to like adhesives you shouldn't use yeah, around gasoline, flammable, dude. like pretty bad <laughs> stuff going on. We were driving like 45 miles an hour, stopping every 20 minutes to make sure like we weren't going to blow up, but made it back. That shit makes me so nervous. Holy shit. (laughs) I hate van issues. None of which are good. If uh, something happens in cat bite van related, who's the go to? Definitely not me. I mean, (laughs) I'm always the driver and like in all my other bands, I've always been the van owner and the driver. Oh, okay. But I fucking hate cars and like, I don't know shit about that. I can change a tire, I can change the oil and that's it. But like, I've had a tire blow on us in the middle of um, the Florida Turnpike, like on the way from fucking Miami to Gainesville once. Mm. Uh, It's fucking terrifying. Mm. But like, I don't know. I'll just triple A. Triple A will take care of yeah. it. Well, I mean, I think more importantly in a band, the framework, the person who can who can get the big, uh, what is it, the four out of four. If you can keep a valid license, yeah. registration, inspection, and insurance, 
you are a very valuable member of the band right off the bat there that's, you know that's, yeah that's true that's me that yeah was me. <laughs> like you could get an oil change at the gas station someone's got to know how to get that shit you know yeah well good for you tim Thank you. You could be, you could be <laughs> so president. stressful. I hated it, but <laughs> yeah. uh, it's fine. You, you passed Benny's prereq for president. Hell yeah! Yeah, I can make I make really good mac and cheese, by the way, too. So, ooh, uh, yeah. Do you have any tricks? Uh, I mean, it depends. Like, if I'm doing from scratch, or if I'm like, if so, if I'm doing oh. box mac, um, yeah. instead instead of milk, I'll add yeah. Greek uh, Greek yogurt. Wow. Yeah, like unflavored, like just plain Greek yogurt. Which probably makes mm. it so creamy. It makes yeah, it so creamy. Weird. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's, that's almost like, my, like a take on Alfredo. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Okay, it just really brings a, a dollar box of mac and cheese. Just, and you make you know, a homemade mac and cheese too. Yeah, I mean that's just a fuck ton of just cheese and butter and wow everything that's in the fridge. Tim, you're impressing me. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm, Ita- I'm Italian. So yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm Italian. I'm Italian. I could just do this. A little um, this, a little that. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. In the past, uh, however long we've been doing this again, I don't know, like 16 months or 18 months, mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of crazy uh, COVID stories about what bands have been doing and uh, how they use the time. Yours is uh, particularly unique. Um, <laughs> it had a lot more than even others. You somehow uh, had tickets for a tour, got Davey Warsop involved, and, it in, and, and a dog attack. Yeah. yeah, it's so, got, it's got yeah. so many layers. So, can you run down to me, like, like what, just what happened there? It's kind of an epic tale. What you guys, what you all pulled off with this, with this record? <laughs> oh yeah. Goodness. So, um, I guess we'll start with the fact that I've, I've known, like, I've been following Davy's work forever, and like, he's always been someone I wanted to produce, like, music of ours. And uh, so we we'd met him like in person at the when he was on tour with the Interrupters with his old band or with his band Sharp Shock and like really hit it off and he was like yeah I definitely want to produce you and that was a little bit before the pandemic and so we had we were gonna be doing like we were like uh, two years old of a band at this point and like we were gonna really start touring a lot in 2020 and then shit went with the pandemic hey, yeah and oh, okay. So, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed. There's a you know pandemic. But, did you um, have Did you have ma- many tours booked? Uh, a decent amount. A lot, just like a lot of like East Coast and like Midwest and shit like that. But like okay. we we're gonna be way more active than we had been for the first past two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, one of those was a West Coast and a Japan tour. Oh shit! Uh, and so we already had the tickets to LA um, for September of 2020. Then the pandemic hit, and we're like shit. And then, like, a couple weeks go by of us, like, holding out, seeing if, like, it might still happen. And then we're like, it's definitely not going to happen. And we just had the idea that we weren't planning on it at all, but we were just like, why don't we just use those flights to L.A. and write and record a record and Ah. go out out to L.A. and record it with Davey. And then we agreed to do that with Davey, and everyone was all stoked. And then we realized, like... But you agreed to do that without... Without songs, without songs, yeah. <laughs> uh, we had, yeah, we had no new songs. Like we, we at this point, we had seven original songs and one cover on our first record, right? And, and that, like, we were playing like you know thirty minute sets with like three covers and yeah. Well, we had the what we had one new song that we did for the um, Scoggins. Well, no, we wrote that after this. I oh. think I don't know, but anyways, yeah, we had like no new songs really, and so we we're like September's 
long enough time to write a record. It was like <laughs> June at this point. Okay. And we're like, yeah, that's, that's like, we can do this. And then like, it's quickly approaching and we're like writing shit like crazy. But, um, it was like a month out before we were supposed to go to LA and we had like eight songs kind of like bare bones mm-hmm. of songs. Okay. And then, uh, one day we get a text from our bass player, like, Hey, I swear I'm not making this up. I'm so sorry. Uh, I might have broken my hand or my arm. And we're like, oh, shit, what the fuck, dude? Um, And it turns out, like, he's a dog daycare guy. And he broke up a dog fight. And his arm got in the middle of it. And so just just completely just a bulldog just bit through his entire arm. Holy ah, shit. Broke his arm in two spots and had to get surgery and, like, a plate put in. Like his forearm? Yeah, Yeah. his right forearm. A fucking bulldog broke his bone. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Um, That is extremely wild. (laughs) I don't even even mean to chuckle, but it's just like if I had heard that, I would think that was like kind of a, you know, an old wives' tale or something. Yeah. Yeah. Bulldogs can bite right through your arm. Yeah. Yeah. It was like insane. (laughs) Uh, If Bulldog broke my bones, it's in a song in the next record, Brick. Come on. It's like, and it's like, our name is like Cat Bite and it's like a dog bite. Yes, yes. I was like, yes. my. I think my first thing was like, way to go off brand, dude. And like, <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, that was probably mean. But no, he like it's he's still, fine. It's still in the when animals attack genre. It's, it's mm-hmm. pretty yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, pretty close. But um, <laughs> nice. but yeah, that that actually definitely saved us because we were able to postpone everything and switch. Oh, okay. Uh, so we so we put everything we pushed everything back to like November. Uh, to fly it to LA. Yeah, so you had were... no intention of pushing back before no. that. No. You were just no, going to try to squeeze it I, in somehow. Yeah, I mean, we were yeah. like bust. I mean, we probably would have been able to do it because um, we were just like practice. We didn't practice any of the new songs for a while because of the stay at home order. Right, right. And then like by like mid July, that's when like basically uh, like the band and uh, everyone's like partners, that was like basically our pod. And like we didn't see anyone else outside of. Because we're all like best friends and live near each other and stuff, so oh, it was nice. like we would just practice like all these new songs like once a week, and then we were just gonna do it more frequently because uh, we rehearse at our uh, drummer Chris's basement, so it's like okay. we can just practice at his house. And everyone's in Philly. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. we all live like within like five blocks of each other. Oh, easy, pretty That's sick. Great. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, we pushed everything to November. Uh, it was gonna be. 10 days instead of 14 days, which was, uh, a little, a little harder, but we, yeah, we flew out to LA, uh, started tracking and then Davy's girlfriend, uh, got sick and we all thought that she had COVID and then oh. we had to stop production for about two and a half days when we were in LA and we were basically just like quarantined in like a tiny one bedroom Airbnb. Oh man. Yeah. And, uh, but then we, Pretty, she almost, ended up being okay. Yeah, so she we was fine, there. and then we were able to resume it. And but we didn't get to finish recording there. So you, oh, we I got, mean, at that point, did you think you were like going to have to do like the ten day, two week quarantine in that room and stop he, recording and all that? We were just waiting to hear back, like what her uh, and like Davy's results were. Yeah, because yeah. we we were like, I don't think it's like the way he was saying it. Like it didn't really seem like it was quarantine, but it was all or like. No, she but had then COVID. she. But then he was like, she had a really terrible fever. Yeah. Wow. So we, we were we were like at first thinking like, oh, it's you know, it's probably not. But then 
as it like it it did progress like pretty badly for her yeah um, and by last july no one knows what the fuck is like really going yeah. on yet yeah. right yeah. yeah so we were like oh fuck we're gonna have to cancel this whole thing and be like all and all of us have days. covid in la yeah, yeah. Like, a tiny little one bedroom can't even leave the uh, goddamn uh, yeah yeah it looked like a scene from fucking train spotting in there <laughs> exactly <Yeah. laughs> but yeah, but it was all good, and we finished up recording, like, 90% of the record there, and then, like, we got back to Philly, and then right when we got back to Philly, shit, like, this was, like, mid-November, uh, and shit got, the like, second this, like, second right, lockdown happened, right. and so we couldn't even finish the record, because we have a, uh, a studio here in Philly that we're good friends with, and we were gonna just, like, finish up. It was, like, backup vocals and, like, couple guitar parts and like keyboard and I was okay. like it was basically like we and needed like yeah we needed like two more days of recording i think we did like one and a half mm-hmm. to finish it but we ended up having to push that all the way until like january mm. because of the lo- next lockdown so we like got back and we were all motivated to like finish this record and we couldn't <laughs> fucking do shit yeah um, and <laughs> but yeah we finished the record like <laughs> second week of first week of january i mm-hmm. guess and also like see so yeah, like this is all these songs we've never played live so it was like uh, meanwhile we're just like all in our head like right. are these songs like cool like we yeah, haven't been yeah. able because like you know you record a record like you start playing songs and then you gauge the crowd's reaction yeah, and it's right. like it's like this works this doesn't and so we just wrote like 10 songs or nine songs in a cover as like who knows what the fuck people are gonna think about this because like no one's ever heard them. So we oh, were just that's like so much better. Like I hear that yeah. and I'm like, yo, that's the way like everyone should write records. Like, yeah. I mean, it turned out great. So, I, but we were so fucking I was nervous. Really, really anxious about it, about dropping it and everyone hating it. Yeah. yeah. Were you? It yeah, was, like, was it just that lack of like that lack of feedback in the process made you more nervous, you think? Yeah. Because yeah, like no one had heard of these songs except for us and Davey. And like, yeah, we were like, we we think it's good, but <laughs> right. yeah. you never know, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also, like, we were like barely a band at all when we recorded our first record, sure, and like weren't expecting anything. And then it like we released it, and then just like a lot of people latched onto it really quickly, and it like did really well. And we're like, oh shit! So now we have to like this is our second record. We have we can't like sophomore flop. Yeah, we yeah. have to do. We have to beat that. And that was like so like you know, low pressure now. It's like super fucking high yeah, pressure. Yeah, the sophomore like, slump is, is yeah. horrifying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we were all just like losing our minds about it. Like every song we would write, like just like reworked it a million fucking times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, I think it turned out good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's great. And, and it's funny when you explain it because, you know, because of the time frame and the schedule and everything that you had to do to get it done, you almost followed like a major label pre-production outline that takes <laughs> six months, you know, where you sift through your songs over and over. Like, do yeah. you think that, that, um, being able to kind of go through it so many times with a fine tooth comb has kind of helped develop it in a certain way or at a certain point where you just like, you know, you can't do anything else to this. It's done. I mean, I think it was helpful that, like, we were able to tack it over and over again, but, like, had no outside, like, feedback because, like, it kept it cat bite. Yeah. Right, um, right. Like, I feel like playing the songs out would have um, maybe, like, 
influenced the direction and it might've been, I don't know, a little less original on our own parts. Like we might start conforming to other things that like other bands do. And like, we try and be like, you know, different with this record and just with the band in general. Yeah. And like, and I think it just kept it like purely artist intent. Yeah. And it like, so yeah, I, I mean, it was, it definitely, it definitely was helpful and like very different from, you know, recording the first record versus this one. Like it, I, we, we were definitely like looking for, you know, like listening back and like, you know, pinpointing things that we were like, no, this needs to change. And like, I think that definitely helped us like, like with, with nice one, this is like the definite cat bite sound. Whereas on the first album, it was like there, mm. but it wasn't like polished. And this is like sure. that sound polished. And yeah. so I, I'm, I'm, I'm super happy with it. And yeah. yeah, I think it's, I think it was a great thing that we were able to do that. That's yeah. awesome. Plus, plus Davey was just a fucking, oh my gosh. he's such a beast. Like, he's a great songwriter. He's such, oh, like, okay. yeah. So yeah, he had a lot of, he had a lot of good input in, in, in songwriting I, as well. I mean, if he he mostly helped us um, with like arrangements. He kind of just like, um, like he he wasn't really doing arrangements or doing stuff for us. He just kind of like talked us through what we were like kind of already thinking and like kind of like kept us like on track. Like we would send him demos and he'd be like, "Yeah, I like that," and I'd be like, "What about this? If, what if I switch this and this around?" And he'd be like, "Eh," or he would like you know say that would be a good idea. That's cool. It was just like cool to have him, especially because like. I'm a big fan of like working with a producer that's like outside of your specific genre. Sure. Um, like I've been a fan of like his stuff, especially like with Be- his old band Beat Union and Suedehead. Yeah. Like, that was like the shit that drew me to him. Beat I, Union like, was fucking great. Yeah. And like listening to that, I'm like, this is what I want our record to sound like. Hmm. But like Catbite <laughs> doing it like Scott, like, I don't know. I just want it to be like different and like have this this dude who writes like poppy punk songs and like mod shit. Like I want him to be kind of like helping us guiding us in a way that's, you know, it will make the end product more like accessible to people outside of just ska because I mean, we listen to way more ska. We just call ourselves a ska band, but like, right, right. you know, we're, we're like all like, you know, we listen to literally everything and want to play shows with bands that are literally all over the spectrum. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned it going into this, uh, you know, developing the cat bite sound. And when I, you know, sort of see uh, the inception of the band, I am curious how you started going in that way. So, so Bray, you moved, you moved to Philly from Fort Lauderdale and, and had, what, like a, a jazz background? Uh, yeah, so I'm originally from Fort Lauderdale, Um I was going to school in Orlando, um, just at like a state college, and I was studying music performance. Um, and I started doing, I started taking a, I was studying classical, which was awful. I mean, it wasn't, <laughs> it, it was, <laughs> Why it, was it, awful? it just, it just wasn't for me. I had a teacher once when I, I did like a, like a performance in class. And like the first thing she asked me was like, 
are you happy? Like when you when you sing these songs, and I was mm. like, I was like, what? Well, uh, yeah, yeah. And she's like, well, she's like, well, you just look like you're in so much pain. Oh, uh, I was like, oh God. Okay, so like well, that's classical, encouraging. Yeah, classical was not it for me, but I uh, I started. There was an adjunct teacher that uh, started teaching half hour lessons um, for jazz. So I I, cool. I, I latched on to her, uh, and then she was like, well, yeah, you're you're really good at this. You should continue studying. Um, they just didn't offer, uh, you know, a program in jazz there. So I ended up coming to Philly. Oh, cool. Um, and I, I got my bachelor's in jazz voice performance here. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, so I, I have a, you know, classical and jazz, you know, background, I guess. That's awesome. I, what kind of, what kind of stuff in the jazz realm do you do you like like vocally? Is there anybody in that that world that you feed off of it all? Uh, yeah, I mean, I really really love like the old um, like jazz singers and like standards are like my my favorite like thing to perform for jazz. Um, so people like Sarah Vaughn and obviously Ella Fitzgerald, um, Blossom Deary is one of my favorites. Um, Chet Baker. Uh, who else did I think of? Oh, Billie Holiday. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And were you were you into the the scene and you know like punk, ska, like alternative stuff you um, know, prior so, to coming to Philly? Or? Yeah, I mean, I I I was into punk, um, but I like growing up in Fort Lauderdale. At least, like for me, it was I there. I know there's like a ska scene down there, but I wasn't involved in that. Right. Um, and like just the the people that were around me were more like pop, you know, like pop uh, top 40 kind of people. Right, so that's right. like that's kind of the stuff I like grew up listening to. But my dad is um, my dad is like the one who got me into music. And like I, so he would always listen to like soul and like, you know, Spanish music and okay. Um, so I, I, I got a lot of that too, like growing up. Um, but yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't into ska really. Um, I knew obviously like the, the, the you know, the big name bands, like, sure, yeah. you know, no doubt and, you know, less than Jake, whatever. But, um, I, I very much was like that person who thought ska was corny because, People were like, "Ska's corny," <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah you're uh -huh. right. Um, but when I uh, the first show when I moved to Philly, the first show that I actually uh, went to was Tim's old band, Snails. Okay. Um, and I was like, "Holy ska band. shit!" Yeah, his old <laughs> ska band. And I was like, "Damn!" Like they're so awesome, and it was like nice. such a great show, and like there was everybody was dancing and like having a good ass fucking time, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like Fine. what? What is this? Yeah. Um. So, yeah. That's how you got into ska. <laughs> yeah, ska. yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> how do you? I mean, um, is there uh, when you listen to other ska bands? Are there times when you're like, "Oh, I can like." I can do something different because, you know, I, I had that kind of training or, or came from a, you know, a different background. You said your dad is Peruvian, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, do you think it's kind of a unique blend going into the ska world? Do you think because of your, 
your background and your training, you're able to sort of bring something different over into that fold? I mean, yeah, definitely. Maybe not like, I mean, I don't like go in, you know, when I'm writing music thinking like, I'm going to specifically write it like as a jazz song or as like right, a pop right. song. I think that just is like what I, I don't know what is just like in me naturally. Um, and, but I think it's cool because like, you know, now I do, I know like ska music, I know like traditional Jamaican ska and like, so I know that stuff, but I can pull from like the stuff that I, also know like jazz and you know r&b and soul and i think it's like a it melts it, it melts really nicely with ska i feel like yeah so it's, yeah yeah it's, it's interesting because even when i was listening to the record you know you know the, the last couple you know week or two since it's been around um mm-hmm. i did notice there's a couple songs where you know, if I just let myself go and forget I'm listening to a quote unquote ska band, I sort of feel like I'm a little more in the fifties or sixties. Like, yeah, it's kind of giving me at times a little more of like a doo-wop vibe. Yeah. I love, uh, you know, and stuff. Actually, I heard a bunch of parts where I'm like, yo, Kappa could definitely have backup singers on stage. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we uh, talked about that. That would be cool. That would yeah. be sick. I mean, we're all about harmonies and shit. Like that's yeah. a huge thing with writing mm-hmm. our songs. So one day. So how did so how's it go from A to B? You're at a snail show, um, <laughs> you know, and then you know, and now we are where we are. Like, how did how did you two actually meet and and start doing the band? Um. So yeah. So uh, Tim and I ended up wor- we worked together at uh, a cookie delivery place. In- <laughs> Insomnia, insomnia cookies. Oh yeah, I know yeah. that place. Yeah, yeah. She, she was. She started working there. She was my boss. Yes, <laughs> kind of, my, my manager. Yeah, I was. I was like, I was the shift leader, and he was. Oh, just you there. were like, you were like, you were insomnia cookies. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I was, the, I was the head bitch in charge. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's how we met. Um, and I was like, come to my show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah. Yo, I got this demo. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come see my ska band yeah. at, at, on South Philly. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Where was the and show at? I think it was the the Connie's. Or no, uh, no, it was the place that burned down. Oh, um, the uh, shit. Next place, place next to Connie's. Yeah. Um, Whatever the fuck it was. Started with a T? No. Terry's bar. Terry's. Okay. Yeah, and you, okay. And you brought you brought a date. Yeah, I brought a I date. Like, I didn't even like Tim at that. Well, he had, had a, a girlfriend, he had a girlfriend so. at the time. <laughs> oh, scandalous. I, I was into somebody else. So my I, other coworker. <laughs> yes. Well, I didn't I didn't know anybody. This is literally I moved to Philly. Yeah, your to, scene was via Insomniac Cookies. Yeah. Yeah, I was like yeah. I made, I moved to Philly. And literally got a job within two weeks, and then I was like, "That's all. That's everybody I know here in Philly." Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, then. So you went that- to the show. So so <laughs> you said, "Here's my demo. Come to my Scott show." <laughs> yeah. And then what happened after that? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, we just we she left Insomni Cookies, and then uh, we started like dating a couple like that summer. Okay. So like, uh, like, er, like, yeah, and we were just like together. So I was like in the snails. That was like my band from like high school and shit. And it okay. was like a traditional like ska band. Uh, 
whatever. Um, and I was in that band for like about nine years. And oh, wow. I, uh, we like started to kind of drift away from ska. And I was kind of bummed about it because like I liked the ska scene. Mm-hmm. It was just so much fun. And we were like kind of leaning towards being like like garagey rock. Like kind of just, they just the, the rest of the band was just trying to like fit in with the Philly scene. Right, right. Which is like very like. They called you, it Basement Soul. Yeah. It's like right. the whole like like Johnny Brenda's. Like, yeah. You know, Throwing yeah. on some, some mom jeans and oversized exactly. sweaters. And, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, get, and getting a fuzz pedal. Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly yeah. what happened exactly. in the band. Uh-huh. And I was like, so I like finally got up the courage to leave the band. Uh, and then the band broke up and like a couple months Good later. Move. But because I was like, I was just was like the goddamn glue of that band. Yeah, I was so. just like the rhythm right. guitar player. And I didn't have any like creative control, really. I was just like told what to do because they're all like really great musicians. And I was okay. just like holding it down on rhythm guitar. But like I was, you know. The manager, the driver, the van owner, and like, was the only one that could like actually have conversations with people. Yeah, oh, they're never, weirdos too. They yeah, would, yeah, yeah. They, we would play the show, and they would just sit in the van when the other bands were playing, and Ugh. I'm like, you know, having fun, like talking to the other bands, and then it's like, it, I just got so sick of like I coming can, across yeah. as like that douchebag band. And no, like, I know you seem like a sweet guy, so <laughs> I I can understand the position you're in. I've been in that position where I'm yeah. like, I'm like, you guys fucking kidding me? I have to sit. <laughs> I yeah. have to watch six bands yeah, <laughs> for the entire exactly. show because all of you guys, I'm like, this isn't cool. Yeah. Yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, but then, yeah, like a uh, couple months after I left that band, like there was just this weird void where I'm like, because I was like in this power pop band at the time and it was like, a, it was, we were just having fun, like doing local shows and okay. like, it wasn't like anything serious, but like that wasn't like filling you know, I wanted like that's what that's what I want to do is like play music and tour, and this is what I've always wanted to do. And Britt and I were just like, let's start a band because mm-hmm. like right. obviously she's like the best singer I know, and like I know I know the ska scene. I was like, let's just start a ska band. And uh, this was like 2018, and my one coworker, our original bass player uh, Johnny, he just left a similar situation where he was in this punk band for years and they broke up. It was bad terms and he was like now what and he's like really into like two-tone and shit like that and great bass player and so the three of us just like we just started like like a group chat and like sending songs to each other like let's cover this selector song or like let's do a ska version of this exploding heart song or like just like shit like that and like just brainstorming ideas and we just uh eventually i just was like fuck it i'm gonna book studio time (laughs) We, we didn't even have like a drummer the drummer who we wanted, uh, who's our drummer now, is like our best friend Chris, and he's like the best fucking drummer. Like he's amazing. He's like jazz trained, but he's just like he's been in hardcore bands. Yeah, he and, seems super versatile. Yeah, and like yeah. I've played with him for years. Um, and we told him about the studio time. We're like, hey, so we booked studio time for like record. <laughs> we were like gonna do like two covers in an original, yeah, and just like record it in like a day. And he's like, oh, okay, fine. And just like learn the songs like in the studio and we just like hash them out real quick. Nice. And Super we just, hungover too. Yeah, yeah. We, we, the, 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 like the day before we were in, in Virginia, all of us um, at Supernova Ska Festival, which is like this big ska, like three day ska festival. Nice. And like we pretty much like drunkenly convinced him to do this. And <laughs> then he did it. And like we just like started releasing the songs. And then also I was like, also 
at the same time, I booked a show for us. <laughs> and like, and it was like, uh, hey, this is a theme of cat bite. Just oh, set, yeah. set the goal before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, like have anything. I like yeah. this. It's ambitious. Good for you. Like, Who's got time to win? Yeah. <laughs> it was like maybe six weeks away at this point. I'm like, Oh, Chris, by the way, uh, I booked a show. It was with the fad and joystick oh. Kung, Kung Fu necktie. Yeah. So okay. it was like a pretty decent, good like show. good show. Yeah. 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 And I'm like, we have to do this by the way. And <laughs> He's like, all right, fine. Like, the only reason he didn't want to be in the band was because he was in, like, five other bands. Right, right. And, like, you know, like, every other good drummer is in, like, <laughs> ten fucking bands. I'm sure you know. Yeah. <laughs> I got I a couple two tree, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, yeah, eventually we just, like, he did the show, and then we just kept getting more show offers and, like, a bunch. And then, like, our label, Bad Time Records, started, like, at the exact same time that Catboy did. Oh, okay. And, um... Uh, the owner Mike Szynski, he was in this band. He is in this band, um, Kill Lincoln, oh, which is like okay. awesome, like ska punk band. And like I've known him from year for years, like from the Snails. And like he hit us up. He's like, "Yo, I'm starting a label. Do you want to be the first like band on our label?" And I'm like, "Okay," because we were we just started. I'm like, "Fuck yeah! All right, we already got an offer to do something." And like <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll press your first record." Wow. And I'm like, "Okay." Awesome. And yeah. yeah, like it was just kind of a bunch of just, it was just weird. So you're in the same position. You're like, okay, we need songs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Then we recorded our first record. Like, um, that's how we worked best. Yeah, we, we recorded like our, it. we recorded our demos in like May of 2018. And then we recorded the record in, it was like the very first week of 2019 in January. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, cause, Cause we literally moved the same week that we recorded the whole record. Mm -hmm. Britt and I were like moving, so we were like moving at night and recording the record <laughs> by day. That doesn't sound sick. stressful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, in the middle of like New Year's like, Eve and uh, yeah, turn out good though. That's <laughs> awesome. In the last couple of weeks, I've learned a lot about your scene, you know, and the Bad mm -hmm. Time Records and Kill Lincoln and all the other bands on there. And it seems like there's this really, you know, cool, vibrant thing going on. And, you know, it always seems to me from the outside that the Scott community is always it seems tight knit and kind of when one band is doing well, the other bands are stoked and it's not, it doesn't seem as maybe competitive and maybe a little more uplifting. Have you, have you felt that or do you feel that from the ska scene and, and have any uh, elders of the scene reached out to you? Yeah, it's, it definitely feels like a, a community of friends that like just want to see you succeed. Right. Um, which is really cool. Cause like, that's, that's how I feel. Like when I see my friends doing things that they love and, 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 you know, putting out things that they're really proud of, it makes me feel good and like happy yeah. to mm -hmm. see that. So I'm like, let me share this shit. I want other people to see this too. Yeah. So I, I feel like it, it, you know, I don't know if, Bad Time Records was, like, specifically the thing that... It definitely, like, spearheaded the whole... Because, like, like me, like, being in the ska scene for, like, about 10 years at this point, like, or even longer at this point, like, it didn't really have that feel. Um, back when I was doing it at first, it was kind of like each band had every its own little thing. It was, yeah, it was like every man has it for himself. But, like, we were also, like, in the more, like, traditional realm of ska with my old band, The Snails. Like, we that was another thing like my bandmates kind of like looked down upon bands like kill Lincoln or like Scott punk bands. Cause it was like, they're not 
traditional. Or they're not traditional. They're not not respecting the genre. There's a pecking order there. Exactly. And then, like, so then we were kind of just, like, always playing with bands more on the traditional side, like, you know, like the Slackers and, like, but then, like, through that, like, I've gotten, like, all these amazing relationships with all these bands from all across the country, which has definitely been beneficial to Catboy because, like, I've just met so many people from just touring constantly and like meeting people of all different scenes and stuff. But like, I don't know in the past, like since bad time records like started like three years ago or whatever. um, It's just been like the main thing about bad time is just like getting bands that are like cool, like good, but like also just like all about the scene and like, Hmm. just like, another band gets signed, it puts out their record to, on Bad Time Records. It's like every band on the label or like associated starts like hyping up that band and like doing everything we can to get like our pers- our fans onto them. Yeah, And yeah. it's just been like that nonstop since like pretty much the inception of Catbite. And like, it just seems like this scene has just become so like wholesome, and, like such a community rather than like what I've been dealing with, like what I've noticed in the past, like, yeah, you know, ten years. Yeah, and it, it's there's, there's definitely still some like clickiness in <coughs> in the scene. I think um, sure. with with more like of the traditional, you know, ska bands, um, which you know sucks because like we're we're friends with lots of bands that are ju- you know that type of that style of ska. So what, like, I mean, out of my personal, like, like, what's the line in the sand? from from what people would deem a traditional ska band to a like next generation ska band is it distorting uh, the guitars is it uh <laughs> getting away from like you know the the kick on the one or like something like like what are the things that actually separate those two really i, th- I think it's really just association like who you associate with which is uh, fucking lame so it's um, even less about music it's, right. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it definitely has a lot to do that would do with that. Like, there's bands that are, like, you know, mostly pop punk with horns, but, like, some, right, like, right. some things of Scott, but, like, they're taking that from their influences, which are bands, like, that in the third wave of, quote, third wave of Scott, like, a lot of the bands were popular in the 90s, and then bringing their own influences, but there's still, like, that Scott, like, influence and right. like that's totally fine if they're like if they call themselves ska band like because they're still pulling from ska influences and then uh you know it's just know, it's just so corny and then is like you the have suits is it the suits <laughs> is that what it is if it's you're not wearing suits. a suit yeah, you're not, not traditional yeah, yeah probably <laughs> yeah i don't know it's it's all corny we like because i mean like personally like that was like the first shit i got into was like I like listen to I like got a mixtape of or mix CD from my friend who was the singer of the snails in high school and he, it was the first half was like at like ten Agrolite songs and then the nice. second half <laughs> was like ten Operation Ivy songs. Okay. And yeah. I just like listened to this C D like nonstop. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And yeah, we just yeah. like me and uh Todd uh who gave it to me just like went down the wormhole and like went through like Hellcat Records and like got all that and then and then got into like the clash and then immediately just like gravitated towards like Trojan records and like right. the nineteen sixties like Jamaican shit. And that's kind of where I like lived full time for like years just because I just kind of like got that like mentality like traditional shit's better. And then like it only took until like the past couple of years when I've really like branched out beyond like two tone and traditional shit where I'm like learning about a lot more of like 
third wave stuff. And I'm like, this shit is so fucking good because they're pulling from this influence and this influence. And that's like exactly what we're doing with Cat Bite. Yeah, we're, yeah. You know, we're pulling from, you know, traditional ska. We're playing, pulling two-tone, from two tone. We're pulling from third wave. We're sure. also pulling from power pop and soul and R&B and jazz. And like, that's, that's all it is. It's just whoever your influences are. And right. it's, it's just silly to like, talk shit on a band because you don't share the same influences. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like Ska has, fi- you know, it's been around so long that now it has all the, you know, it has the different branches that every other fucking genre has. Like, it didn't yeah. have that before, you know? Like, I mean, I don't even think, like, it. you know, Op Ivy was like, even, you know, that may be the first band that anybody used the name Ska Punk for. And I had uh-huh. no I, idea I, I was listening to Ska when I was listening to Operation Ivy. Yeah. Like, right. I was just yeah. skating listening to op ivy and i was and i had no idea it was had anything to do with scott really. but you didn't have you didn't have all the like the the offshoots you know you didn't have mm-hmm. it was all scott or else it was it or else it wasn't scott mm-hmm. yeah, yeah right right you know it was like yeah that was kind of the is all or, all or nothing i guess is what i'm saying because yeah, yeah i mean those bands were like taking that shit like less than jake was taking that shit in the 90s yeah you know yeah. where they're all like I was like, wait, fucking people aren't over this yet, you know? Like, yeah. this is a long time ago. They're a big group. <laughs> Maybe you heard of them, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, I guess, just... I guess, if any music, I mean, you think about, it, like, what, how many generations does music have to live where you just can't define it like that anymore? Because I, I feel like hip hop's at that point now too. Like, try yeah. to find me a distinction between Run DMC and like Lil Uzi Vert or something <laughs> yeah. you know yeah, it's like exactly. two different kinds of music really yeah yeah it's interesting um well, i was wondering w- about the the lyrical inspiration for these songs because um you know some of it's uh pretty heavy like punchy stuff and i was wondering um do you feel you can or should go a little darker with the lyrical content because of the brightness of the music is it like a ward more of an opportunity to almost to almost go that route or like what, what's the, the vibe behind that i mean i i think for me like when i write i i'm i i tend to write kind of like more like i guess you could say like love songs or like you know anti-love songs um <laughs> like breakup songs i don't know sad feeling yeah, song. Sad, yeah. still like, a love song still yeah, a love song right yeah. right yeah. um so that's 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 kind of just like i don't know what what i tend to write when i do write songs um but I don't know. It's I, I personally love when like a song is like upbeat and you're like and then you're singing along and it's like, you know, I'm so sad, but I'm yeah. dancing. Yeah. You know, I, I, totally. I, I, yeah, I really enjoy that. So I, I kind of like that. Some a lot of not a lot, but like some of our songs are. Yeah. Are like that. I mean, most of our songs. I mean, like every song yeah. I've written, I write when I'm depressed like that. I can't write right. a song when I'm, I cannot write a song when I'm happy. Like, it's yeah, just, yeah, I'm, I'm like super depressed fucking crank shit yeah. out and like I agree yeah. with you like, you can but it's just there's something something hits different when you're yeah. sad yeah <laughs> no and like that, for yeah fact yeah yeah fact. and like yeah. that's that's the type of songs we all like in this band gravitate to it's yeah. like sure. that like you know because like i don't know it's relatable song like we just kind of i don't know at least like with like a lot of the songs i write um 
So we're probably like, you're, it's probably like, you probably write like 60, 70% of lyrics. Mm-hmm. And I'm like maybe 40%. And it's like, we, I mean, we write a lot of shit like together and stuff, but it's always just kind of like, you know, sad, depressing shit. And then we're like, <laughs> let's make this as poppy as possible now. Yeah. Just cause like, I don't know, that's the shit you just, we like to hear. Um, like, like bands like fucking Jeff Rosenstock, like one of, sure. you know, he does a phenomenal, phenomenal job at doing that. And it's just, yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, like, he things, does do a great job doing that. Things that like, you know, things that we've experienced in life, I guess it's, it's, it's a lot easier to write about that than to like, kind of make something up. Although some of the, you know, like a lot, the songs that we write too, will be like based on like an experience, but you know, fluffed up a little bit for, Right. Song, songwriting purpose. Mm-hmm. But sure, sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like most of the songs are like, you know, true events, just like, you know, sim- like kind of f- fictionalized. Yeah. And, and like, that's just kind of always been our songwriting, like since the beginning of Cat Bite. And like a lot of like a handful of these songs are like some of the very first songs I've ever written in my life, like way pre Cat Bite, which is actually the way um, the reason we got the name Cat Bite when I was in this band, The Snails, um, I was never writing any of the th- music in that band because I just felt like an idiot and like couldn't <laughs> contribute. Basically, right, right. it's like you know, I, I like learned to play guitar when I was eighteen to be in this band. Yeah, and like sure. never like just like played music for myself. I was just like in this band. Wasn't but, really like, an open environment for that. Yeah, but like I like in secret just like started writing music for myself at like I don't know, maybe like six years ago or something like that. Oh, okay. And, like, for the first time, and, like, I, like, really got into, like, bands like Joyce Manor and, like, shit like that. And I'm, like, I can write shit like this. This is how <laughs> I feel. Even though it wasn't, like, Scott at all. Even though, like, Scott was, like, my main thing. I just was really into bands like that. And I started writing a fuck ton of music like that. And whenever I would r- make a demo, I would just, like, save it in my iTunes as Catbite. Mm. And, like, that was just, like, the folder I had. I don't know where I came up with the name. I just thought it sounded cool. And, like, I just, like, always wanted to start a band one day, like, when I was confident enough to, like, bring these songs out and call it Cat Bite. Yeah, sure. And, like, so, like, the first, when we first started writing songs for the first record, it was, like, I brought, like, a couple of the songs from Cat Bite, mm-hmm. the Cat Bite folder, and then Brit did a lot, and it was just, like, oh, they work really well together. It's kind of, like, same theme. And it's just kind of, like, that's always how it's been, just, mm-hmm. like, just sad Sad songs, yeah, super poppy. But it's cool. I mean, you know, I think the thing I probably like the most about, I don't know what we call it, what is it, like the post-punk scene or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, with Jeff and Joyce Manor or Pup, like bands like that, I, I've never been a, a poetry fan. So I appreciate how real and honest and straight the messaging is in those songs and kind of yeah. how yeah. raw they are emotionally like mm-hmm. kind of telling stories in a way that's not uh that I don't find like whiny or complaining yeah. you know yeah. it's just like hey this is my experience right now and it's it's very transparent i like that about that scene and that it's interesting you mentioned that cuz i can see that lyrically yeah with you all but just with a you know kind of different sort of music yeah i just i feel like uh, I'm, I'm like intimidated. I'm not like, I've never been a lyrics person. Like I usually, when I listen to music, I listen to the music and then it takes a while for me to like actually like gravitate, gravitate towards the lyrics. Mm-hmm. But then you have bands like Joyce Manor or Jeff Rosenstock and shit where it's, it's not intimidating at all. It's just like, 
here's the message of the song. And mm-hmm. I'm not like trying to like search for the meaning. And yeah, like, I don't oh. want to have to spend like 10 minutes trying to figure out what the fucking song means. Me yeah. too. I hate that shit. Yeah. Which, like <laughs> if, if that's what you do, that's cool. But like, it's just not my style. And like, no. it's just easier. It's more accessible to people. And like, Especially if you can put a cool pop beat to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and get so, a hook in there. For yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, there are bands that do that that I do enjoy, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's definitely not like I, I can't, I can't write that way. Mm-hmm. Like even if I tried, I just oh totally. Yeah, and if I do, I'm making shit up. I'm yeah, just putting words come. together. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like the extremes. Like if you're gonna go the other way, I want like Led Zeppelin. I want yeah. like Valhalla. I'll be your underlord. Like just yeah. ridiculous yeah. fantasy. You yeah. know? By the way, I did. Uh, I texted Jeff Rosenstock prior to this interview to see if I could get any dirt. Um, or I was just I was like, give me like the best ska question there is. But then I realized the last time I texted Jeff was getting ready for the Mike Park interview. <laughs> so I was like, oh shit, that's fucked up. That's the only time I'm hitting him up. It's the only time talk- <laughs> yeah. like- but, but Jeff is a big fan of your band. He told oh, me that. Awesome. He says, I like, he told me verbatim, I like about three bands and they're one of them. So, what? Yes. Holy shit. So got, uh, got some love from old, is- old Rose and Stock. That's so fucking cool. I wonder if, you know, this is a curious thing. I'm curious if Jeff listens to Going Off Track. Let's see. We're an hour into an interview. This would be great. I'm going to (laughs) call Jeff out one way or the other with this. So can I I get into something fun with y'all? Because, you know, out of curiosity, you were just talking about, you know, naming the band Catbite and how it randomly came (laughs) Yeah, and I was curious. So I googled, got into cat bites a little, you know, just the actual. I'm like, the wait, actual... cats bite people? Like, I, oh, you know, I oh, knew yeah. about I knew about clawing, you know, and cat scratch, <laughs> cat scratch fever. Yeah, and I've seen cats like nibble. You know, I've had cat nibble on my finger and stuff, but I've never seen like a cat like chomp someone out. Oh like, yeah, it's bad. So I yeah, did. Some cats are fucking scared. Yeah. yeah. So listen to this. I, I get into some research and, uh, you know, yeah, apparently they can inject bacteria mm-hmm. deep into your joints and tissue. And one in three patients with such wounds has to be hospitalized. Yeah. Two thirds of those hospitalized need surgery. Jesus. Yeah. Isn't that are, crazy? Cats are so assholes. The explanation, <laughs> the explanation in the report said that dogs' teeth are blunter. So they don't tend to penetrate as deeply mm. and they, and they uh, tend to leave a larger wound. The cat's teeth are sharp, penetrate deeply, and they seed bacteria in the joint and tendon sheaths. Oh, my Jesus God. Christ. Yeah. So, so they did this one study going from like January 09 to 11 of 190-something people who were, uh, had bad cat bites. <laughs> 57 were hospitalized. Oh, my God. Uh, They were in hospital for three days. Of those hospitalized, 38 needed to have their wounds surgically irrigated. Uh, And eight patients needed more than one operation. Some needed reconstructive surgery. (laughs) Holy shit. From cat bites. Yeah. Wow. So look at this. You didn't know you chose a fucking, like, it sounds cute. This is kind of fucking badass. Yeah. Metal. Yeah, metal. Yes. Yeah. And that's what you get when you Google our name, man. Yeah. 
So try and find our website and then you get just all this gnarly information. Oh, I've learned from the Google. If you want to find you on there, you write cat bite band. Yeah, exactly. You got to put those, those quotations on uh, the Google search. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, pretty gnarly, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Man. Have you ever had an incident with a cat? Are you cat people? We, we have three cats. cats. Oh, you do? We do. We have three cats and a dog. Um, but they're all great. Fortunately, I've never had um I've never had a cat attack before with any cuz I I've had like animals growing up all my life. Um, okay. we've always had at least a cat and a dog. Um anything br- else? Other things? Yeah, we've I've my, me and my brother had a ferret, we had a um a rabbit, we had uh we we had <laughs> fish we had a parrot uh we've had um still going lots of like like you know dogs that well my dad for whatever reason my mom used to say it was because he smelled like butterscotch (laughs) (laughs) but he he would just like come home and like these dogs would like 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 street like random dogs that were just like lost would follow him home oh my god and he would like bring them in the house so did yeah, your father just, actually smell like butterscotch like to I you i mean i didn't think so but huh. was yeah. he a werther's eater or something ah <laughs> no. uh, werther's i love werther's though, yeah. but i don't no. think he was old enough to have werther's. No, he, you need like to be like 65 yeah and Ex- then you get the werther's this werther's smell excuse me tim i have <laughs> Uh, partaken in many Werther's in my <laughs> life. No, no, I mean, I've had them They're many so times, good. but like once you're 65, a, like a jar of them appears on your coffee oh, table. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They just show up at your house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, oh, I love them. Yeah. Always, you reach into your pockets, never ending. And there's always Werther's. And yeah. you have like the weird, like red ceramic jar yeah. on the coffee uh-huh. table. And there's uh-huh. always like 40 Werther's in there. Yeah, and a couple, and a couple like a couple like watermelon suckers, exactly. are, like tossed in for no reason. Yeah, I love yeah. those watermelons when they get chewy. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering right. when you were talking animals and Fort Lauderdale. I was like, oh shit, maybe they kept like Crocs. Oh yeah, we had a, a fucking Jesus. iguana. My dad lassoed <gasps> one off the street. Whoa, lassoed yeah. an iguana? Yeah, he come on yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> dad was fucking Florida whack. shit. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, wait, you got I, I just need to know. Did you was, see it? Did you see him lasso an iguana? Yeah, we were we were like playing out um just like on the street and one just like came up on the street and my brother and I were like, Can we catch it? So he had a lasso it? on hand. He had yeah. like I think he, he just had like rope. He just had rope and he like he fashioned it into a lasso. Yeah, that makes and sense. And he caught it and then we kept it. We had like a giant fish tank that we didn't have any fish in anymore. And we just kept it in there and we fed it lettuce and Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. We had it for we Do you remember it? Did you name it? I don't I don't know if we actually named it or not. It was just the the guy that was in the tank. That's <laughs> awesome. Well yeah. Oh god. That's did you grow up like out of the city? Like kinda with some land and stuff? Um, I mean, just like Florida's really mass like it's just it's it's all kind of like suburban, even this you know even the city. But we never lived like in like a downtown area. So yeah, I guess it was more like suburbany, like 
grassy areas around, but I mean, there's just like iguanas and sh- and alligators and shit everywhere. Yeah, Florida, so you're right next to Alligator Alley down there, right? Yeah, yeah, it's so great. I love that. You know, the first <laughs> the first record label meeting I ever had in my life was in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Oh my gosh, really? <laughs> randomly, I got taken to an El Pollo Loco. Oh yeah, and shit. I'm a vegetarian, so all I had was plantains. <laughs> and motherfucker didn't even pay for it. What? Yeah. I was like, this this is my entry into the music business was meeting well, like- Eulogy Records and <laughs> and he didn't pay for my plantains. Jesus. I was disappointed. I yeah, thought you- I thought I, I was finally do. like made it. I'm like, all right, like I'm gonna get a large something instead yeah. of a medium because And then they don't pay for it. I was like, Damn. yo, fuck that. Probably the took- least he could do is And that's why you didn't sign with them, right? Yeah. No, we did sign with them. <laughs> We were. I mean, this is like '97. I wasn't really pushing offers away, you know. Yeah, you're right. right. <laughs> Someone had a couple hundred dollars to give you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll pay for the plantains. You know. Oh my god, that's true. Um, but anyway, so I noticed uh, Britt in in one of the I don't know another interview or something. Um, I know you did a uh, uh, that Selena cover, which mm-hmm. is awesome, and. But you mentioned you were hoping it kind of bridged the gap between the U.S. ska scene and like the South American ska scene. Yeah. Um, What's the vibe with the South American ska scene? Like what countries and what bands? What's kind of popping off down there? I mean, Mexico is like huge for ska. um, Wow, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's massive. People are crazy. Bands down there are playing to like stadiums full of people whoa yeah it's fucking huge so they're Um, like hits are they like radio songs or just down there yeah 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 there's like like this band uh inspector uh uh, they're like one of the biggest uh ska bands in mexico and like they like they'll they'll draw like twenty thousand people a show whoa Yeah. yeah like uh like my um one of my old bandmate that uh, played in the Snails, he played keys for us. Um, he would tour with that band Bad Manners, um, like the you know the two tone two tone yeah. band, uh-huh. and he did a Mexico and South America tour. And like so, in the U.S., Bad Manners will draw about fifty people, like no fucking <laughs> joke. Right, yeah, right. like uh, we like we opened for them once in like Westchester, Pennsylvania, and there was fifty people at the Note. Crazy at fucking. Uh, but yeah, like so, like they played a, a show. It was just like a three band bill in Mexico City, and there was like thirty thousand people there. Oh my goodness! Then they like they just they would just hop, uh, get on uh, little flights and just hop to like different cities all across like South America, and it was like a two week tour. And like yeah, like the average crowd size was just like you know at least two thousand, but like wow. up to like fucking twenty thousand people. And like that's just like the ska scene in um, Mexico and South America. And so cool. But like there, it's like none of these bands like are like breaking out of like Mexico in like into the U.S. scene just because they're speaking I think it's, Spanish. Yeah, I think it's just right. because like right, people right. don't understand. And like, yeah, I mean, obviously it makes it easier if you can listen to a song and understand what you know they're saying in the song. But also, like, we have Google now. Like, you can just yeah, totally copy and paste that shit into Google and now you know what it says. Like, it's it's really not that hard. If the, if you like the music and you're, like, grooving and you really enjoy it, like, what what is making it so difficult to, like, support, you know, this band just because they're not from 
your country, you know? Totally. Yeah, it's just, it's weird. It's weird to me that it, it said there's such a difference. You would think, you would think just anything with a good enough hook should be able to make it over, right? Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. But there's so few, like, few examples of, like, an American or British audience, like, taking anything that's not in English. There's, yeah. like, so few examples. Exactly. There's 99 loofed balloons. <laughs> that might know. be the only... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Rammstein, Duhast. That's a fucking hit. You know, um, it was Macarena in English at all? No. Uh, no, the no, Macarena is, no, it's in Spanish. Yeah, that's all Spanish. Spanish, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that the biggest Spanish crossover hit so far? Is the Macarena? Well, there's like Living La Vida Loca. Oh, but that's just the hook. Yeah, he just, sings yeah. the rest in English. But that's like, that's kind of like what we're kind of going for is like, and like, I mean, he's. Be Ricky Barton. <laughs> yeah, we just want so the whole thing That's is we want to be right we want to be Ricky Martin, but yeah. like he's become like he had become like an American pop star, right? And like and then he releases a song which it's not the whole thing in Spanish, but just like a fucking hook is sure. in Spanish, and like just that alone might just like you know br- yeah. like allow some people to kind of open their eyes a little bit and like be like oh there you can sing in Spanish, like <laughs> yeah. that's a thing you can do, and like that's kind of like what our like idea was with uh singing bidi bidi bum bum because it's like the i mean the verse is like i have no idea what the fuck she's saying because <laughs> i don't speak spanish but like the hook like the chorus i can sing that sure because it's just yeah it's a hook and it's like singable and like, like it's literally just like noise basically. it's yeah it's not even like actual B-B-B. spanish it's it's just like yeah um but yeah like that was kind of the like we did put the uh, the English translation though for um, on the line and the ins- in- with like a poster on the inside mm-hmm. and it has like the literal the lyrics. Yeah, it has okay. the lyrics for all the songs. But I wanted to put the the English translation translation in there for people. That's cool. Do you plan on trying to write any songs or verses or anything in Spanish in the future? Um, that would be that would be pretty cool. I like definitely have pretty much lost all like my. <laughs> My Spanish. I mean, I can still sing in Spanish because, like, I, I can learn a song, you know. Right, but, right, right. But, um, like, when I was younger, I, I, I definitely could speak a little bit. And I could I could read and write uh, and understand it pretty well. But, like, I've kind of all but lost that just because, like, I don't have any, you know, I don't have anyone speaking to me in Spanish sure. just to yeah. have a conversation with. So. But yeah, maybe. I mean, that would be. I think that would be sick. Stuck in a house with Tim from Lancaster over yeah. here, you know? Shit, yeah. <laughs> White as hell. Yeah. Gracias. Gracias. <laughs> oh God. This is this is why he has tricks for boxed mac and cheese. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, did did anyone? I I don't know why I have this in hyphens on my notes. But I think it was just because I was impressed. I thought of it. Did anyone ever call Lancaster Skankaster? Oh, shit. I don't know. Oh, my God. How are you in a ska band from Lancaster and this never happened? Skankaster. Wait, that's so good. That's mine. I'm taking it. (laughs) All right. We're going to play Lancaster one day and it's going to just be called Skankaster. We'll talk. We'll talk about this when we when we play together. We're playing together soon. It's going to be fun. I'm so excited. Yeah, we, so we saw you um, at the Laura Jane Grace show. Yeah. Um, oh, nice. At, uh, Underground Arts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah it was, was, so it was so much fun. And uh, Control Top. Yeah. Yes. Love yeah. that band so much. Great that group. Was, 
such an awesome tour. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a fun night and a diverse lineup as you guys, as, as you all requested. Yeah. And yeah. you like playing on weird lineups. Do you know who's in Zopa? Found out last night. You found out last night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, our, uh, our drummer, no. Was yeah, it Chris? Chris, Chris texted us because like, uh, what's his name? What's his name? Uh, Michael Imperioli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he like he posted about what the show too time. early. Yeah, he posted yeah. about last night. <laughs> and then, then Jared's on text. He's like, "Oh, <laughs> hey, oh, it's not supposed <laughs> yeah. to happen yet. Come on." Then, yeah. But then, like, so our drummer Chris, he's in he's in Las Vegas right now. He so he plays with a Star Trek themed rock and roll band, and oh, they're they're my like, God, "That's awesome." They're they're playing like this ten day Star Trek. Like, Comic-Con yeah. shit in Vegas. Oh. Like, he's literally playing while, like, George Sakai walks out. Oh. And, yeah, like, he's, like, they're, like, the house band. They're the house band they, for they, this massive thing. They're walking thing. out George Sakai, and they're playing the walking music for, um, Kelsey Grammer's there. It, yeah. Does he wear, a, like, a Star yeah. Trek yeah. costume yeah. while he plays? <gasps> yeah. Oh, man. And he hates it, because he doesn't like Star Trek at all, but it's, <laughs> it's hilarious, because I have a bunch of pictures. A you, bunch of pictures yeah, of him. Yeah, you in gotta it. blow up the Instagram on him when when he does those yeah. shows. Yeah, but he like texted us last weird, night though. and he was like, "Holy fucking shit, we're playing with Michael." Whatever, whatever, yeah, from, yeah. I'm like, I have no idea who that yeah, is. He's like Chris, Christopher from The Sopranos, and yeah. like we have. I've never seen that yet. Sopranos. But, oh, okay. And then our bass player Ben is just like freaking out, and like his partner like freaking out, and I'm just like. Ah. Maybe we gotta watch the Sopranos. Yeah, I guess we gotta watch the Sopranos. Yeah, at least so. you gotta at least watch a couple episodes for a frame of reference, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. But we like posted a like the posted the flyer today and like everyone's like freaking out. And like you gotta ask him if you like ska. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, all right. So I'll ask him, I'll get it on camera, like, do you like ska? And then <laughs> I know. I we'll I watch a lot of Sopranos, so my my big challenge here is to treat him as Michael Imperioli and not Christopher Moltisanti, because that's what I want to treat him like. I want to call him Chrissy, yeah, and you know, and like ask him if he like, like, oh, are you off the heroin now, Chrissy? Like, like oh, you shit. know, I, I got to remember, there's a man behind that. It's hard for me to yeah. just see like that. So, so funny. And then also playing Fest right with Eve Six. That's so <laughs> fucking crazy. About time. What the fuck is going on with that? I can't tell I if that's know. a joke or it's real. I don't know. Did you listen to the new EP that they put out? I didn't. No. It's there. There's this one song called like "Bite." Uh, I want to bite you in the face or something. It's really fucking good. Wow. Um. Yeah. Like the whole. It's like a five song EP that they put out like a month ago, and it's great. So we're pro it, Eve Six now. Yeah. Just I because think of how. Just like- they're, they got hold of the way that Twitter works and they're going yeah. with it. They're, they're just like yeah. all in now. Yeah, yeah they're kind of like fucking with themselves and it's yeah, sort of exactly. panning out, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and sure. then it turns out that they like release a really good EP and it's just like, yeah. You know, okay. like, cool. You know, I, there's some, you know, my automatic thing would be like to be like, well, whatever, Eve Six. But then it's like, if you think about it, their hit was. What? Part of the blender. Yeah, but like 20, <laughs> Whenever, yeah. 25 years ago, whatever the fuck that song was. Yeah. And, you know, if, I don't know, I kind of have respect for a one hit wonder type band who actually like just keep going and putting out records when they're yeah. like way smaller than they used to be. Yeah. Because that no. shows some like, you know, legitimacy to their their craft, right? A little bit. Oh, Yeah. 
yeah, yeah they're like we i mean yeah we had this one hit wonder but we still like to make music and here we here we are yeah and <laughs> they like owned music. it like he was just like yeah i'm the hard in the blender guy and like that was like their thing <laughs> yeah yeah and like they just like accepted it and then it's just like all right well by the way here's this new ep and like everyone just kind of like felt i don't know i felt like even though i've never met him i'm like i feel like i'm friends with this guy because yeah. we've had like two or three like twitter uh yeah it's some exchanges involved yeah, yeah some yeah. exchanges at one point someone asked him if he likes ska and then he was like out he said it's too happy for me i only like depressed music and i like commented i'm like hey you would love us our music is fucking depressed as fuck nice and so some shit like that and then like i posted a video of like one of our songs from our first record it was like a couple months ago uh-huh and then he was just like oh shit i actually really like this and then like retweeted it and it was like oh cool oh man uh, so now I feel like we're best friends. Yeah, you know, pretty we much. Had that one interaction. Can't wait to meet him. But like, and then like, he just kind of seems like a like a nice guy. That's so like, funny. It's just doing it for fun. And then yeah, it just so happens that this like small e- like little EP that they put out is actually like pretty yeah. good. Are they still? So I was always mad at that group and that scene for kind of mainstreaming the Everclear drum beat. Yeah, which I never <laughs> thought should should have like I never <laughs> thought it should have gotten footing. In the yeah. rock world, I still don't like it. Yeah. Um, are they still doing it on the new EP? Um, still got the Everclear like white hop beat. Um, it feels like less of that. It feels it's way more like fuzzy. Like I don't know. It's hard to describe. It doesn't. It's not as like clean cut like that. One of them hit their forties and started taking edibles or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Got yeah. a fuzz pedal. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, Listen to Not a Sir for the first time. Yeah, there's yeah. a little bit more open hi hat. <laughs> like, right, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, it's it's pretty cool. That's uh, cool. All right. Well, I, I'm on. I'll be honest with you. I'm not gonna listen to it. I, you oh, know, yeah. like, I'd like to be diplomatic <laughs> at the end of this interview and say, oh, I'll check it out. No, yeah. no, no, I'm, no I, I'm just going to listen to more Dinosaur Jr. and just keep yeah, going with my no, night, you know? That's fair. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just like, I was like folding laundry one time and, and like I saw Twitter. I'm like, all right, let me put it on. I'm like, oh, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And yeah. That, that was the only time I listened to it. But like, I like it was it made folding laundry like a little bit better. Tim, stay positive. Don't be like me. <laughs> you know? Don't be like me. Well, All that right. was that was fun. It was nice to meet you too. Yeah, oh my gosh, I can't too. wait to play our show. Yeah, we're gonna play a show. We're gonna high five okay. and know each other in real life. I know. Yeah. Some, sometimes I I joke with Brad about this. Sometimes when I do these interviews between booking and talking to someone for a couple hours, I sort of feel I feel a little familiar at the end. Yeah, it's sometimes a little too familiar, where I think <laughs> I freak people out after. Um, and now I actually have the potential to, to be your real friends. So can't wait. It'll be fun. Uh, heads up the white pizza at Crossroads is very good. It's my favorite thing to eat and you get a free meal when you go there. I actually played there once, like six years ago, I played there and it it was with King Django. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was a terrible, terrible show. Uh, cause we were, we were his backing band. The snails was like his backing band for a couple of years, but like it was the snails and King Django and there was like six people there. Yeah. But the venue was awesome. So I'm very excited. It's crazy to me as someone from Jersey, like I didn't even know Garwood was like a place. 
Yeah, you know it's like what a it, fake place. It, it kind of is. I don't. It's one of those towns that doesn't even have their own cops. They're like, you know, a municipality of something yeah. else, like one of those towns. So it's amazing <laughs> to me that like I just see show listings sometimes. It's like, oh, this band and this band coming to Garwood. I'm like, it's just bizarre. Um, <laughs> but it's gonna be fun. Thanks for taking the time to to do the interview with us. That was awesome. Thank yeah, you. Thank you so and much. The uh, the record is great. I've been listening to it all the time. Um, so my favorite song is Scratch Me Up. Oh, hell yeah. That is a jam, and I love the vibe on it. That's one of the ones that like felt kind of kind of 50s to me, especially in the guitar and the melody. So really hell cool. Yeah. I dug Thank- it. Thank you. Yeah. So everyone have a great night, and, and we'll see each other soon. All right. See ya. Right. Bye. Peace. Right. Good job, Benny. Good job. Thank you. I think if I don't see a band named Skankcaster from <laughs> Lancaster soon, I'm going to be super upset. I, you know, I was thinking like I couldn't think I don't I've not I don't think there are any other big ska bands from Philly. Right. Like I couldn't think of any like uh, bands that I knew from historically. Any yeah, ska I'm not bands. sure. So what's the funniest? I think ska bands because of the you know, putting the ska thing like Skankcaster into a word. <laughs> there was a band when I was growing up called the Ska Skank Redemption. Right. Which so was it's, great. And it's then, like a, it's like Thai restaurants, dude. Every yeah. Thai restaurant is a pun and every ska band, it's like it kind of they feel like, oh, if, if we're gonna be taken seriously, our name has to be a pun, right? <laughs> like Scottalites. Remember Scottalites? Scottalites. Now, um, I can't remember if this was a joke or not, but I remember Osama Bin Laden. Yes, exactly. Is that a real band? Yeah. They yeah. were a real band. Okay. Yeah. It's a great name. I mean, it's so funny. It's totally like Thai food, dude. <laughs> so Scott's like Thai food. Spicy, fun, <laughs> creamy. Um, another thing that has nothing to do with ska or cat bite. <laughs> I was watching Paw Patrol earlier. You know that children's show? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With the my cartoons kids, and my the kids dogs. Used to watch it, yeah. And I, you know, I was like half into an episode, and I realized I was watching like Blue Lives Matter porn. Basically, what really? It is. Yeah, I didn't realize that Paw Patrol is Blue Lives Matter porn. Okay. They have this like general, this human general, and then there's like six dogs who seemingly are not paid and are kind of like these sort of like autonomous, you know, will take any order. They don't care, you know, what's going on. Right. I can't Um, remember the show, but I know my kids, you know, they throw the uniforms on and the cool trucks and cars. And I'm like, Oh, I would not be surprised if there was like, you know, the PBA, some unions or something. were throwing Paw Patrol a little dough, you know, (laughs) At this get point, him, get them in, get them, uh, get it, get it in the mix early. Let's on. say the voice actors are definitely getting PBA cards, <laughs> you know, we'll have to look into this, Benny. Listen, there's a thing. There's gotta be a thing, but Catbite was a lot of fun to talk to Tim yeah. and Britt. Refreshing young band. Very refreshing. I actually get to hang out with these two in October. I saw that playing a show together, uh, 
You so, want to hype it? Where is it? When is it? Oh, it's I. Oh man, what's you the actual? What's the actual date? I don't know. <laughs> uh, let me look it up. <laughs> I'm the worst, but it's at a <clears throat> Crossroads Club yeah. in uh, in New Jersey, Garwood, New Jersey, and it's with Mercy Union, our first uh, show back in a long time. It's with Catbite, and it's with uh, Zopa, who is. The um, it's October fifteenth. I just googled there you it. Go. Um, nice. And it's with Zopa, who's uh, Michael Imperioli's band from. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. I didn't know he had a band. Yes. Holy shit. Yes. So. Oh my god. He's Michael uh, Jared. You know the singer of Mercy Union is now his <laughs> label owner because he pressed the vinyl for Zopa, and uh, yeah, now we're doing gigs with Chrissy. <laughs> I I tell you, this came up, I think, when you were gone uh, off the interview, which we should tell the people. (laughs) Yeah, I disappeared. Um, I ducked out, if if you can't tell. Yeah, I think (laughs) the biggest challenge for me is going to be like not calling him Chrissy, you know, like not treating him like... Like he's an actual, you know. Dude, you should grow him down and get him on the show. I mean, he's a friend of Jesse's. I met him at a party, one of Jesse's parties. Like, I think it might have been his birthday party at Michael's restaurant in the West Village. Yeah, you you wanna you wanna talk to talk to Christopher Moltisanti? Yeah, man. He had you know what they had on his drink. But this is I, I think I said this before, but on the end of his drink menu, the last drink on his drink menu was um, go back to Long Island iced tea. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, bring that up. You got some there. I gave you some talking points. No, nah, I would love I would love to get him on. Yeah, um, yeah, but the his band is cool too. It's kind of like a seventies, uh, you know, New York club rock kind of band. You know, I have like, no idea. I'll have to check that out. So interesting gig, you yeah. know, check Mercy it out. Union and Zopa and Catbite. It's gonna gonna be fun. Um, yeah, do you think I should skank? <laughs> yes, go for it. I don't know I'm if not- I've ever skanked. I bet you could do it. I bet you'd be good at it. I'm just gonna show up with like the whole gear. I'm going to get a flat cap, suspenders, (laughs) bunch of checkered stuff, and just feel out the crowd. Like, see if they accept me as one of their own or if someone calls me a poser or not, you know? (laughs) You should totally skank. Um, You're not going to believe this, Benny. Yeah. But I'm going to, I'm totally, I swear to God, I'm telling the truth. (gasps) I'm going to cut this outro short because our order just came from one more tie. Wait, what? We ordered dinner from one more time. Oh, <laughs> oh you actually got Thai food coming. Yes. How ironic. <laughs> that is funny. What did you get? I Curry got, I got get? curry. I got Masaman curry. Oh, nice and spicy. Yeah, it is. It's really good. You going to have an IPA with it? I am. Yes. I'm going to have a five boroughs <laughs> uh, IPA. Frosty cold IPA. Well, you have fun, guy. Uh, but listen, best, you, best of the family. Do you got some socials for Catbite? Yeah, Catbite Band. Everywhere that you get your social media, Instagram, Twitter, check out Catbite Band. Go there, and you know, I'm sure that they'll be propping the show in October. Yeah, and, you know, obviously, you can catch up with us at Going Off Track everywhere and uh, Patreon.com/slash Going Off Track if you want to get a little more involved. Um, Become a patron, get a little few extra perks, and uh, 
you know, leave us a review on iTunes, just a regular review telling us, you know, a healthy review about how you like, how you like the show, you know, with lots of stars. Uh, it's funny how you have food waiting and all of a sudden you become fucking Dan Rather. <laughs> I'm going to send a meal out to you every time we got to do this. All right. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week and uh, we'll, see, we'll see you soon. 